Welcome to the Positive View Podcast, the podcast where we explore life circumstances, mental roadblocks, and endless opportunity to discover the positive view. I'm your host, Brianna G. And I'm your other host, Christy Murphy. And today's episode, we're talking about the things we leave behind. What happens when you start to change your habits and your life? Um, there are often aspects of ourselves what we, that we have to release. And today we're going to talk about what that looks like and how we work through it. Yep. But before we do that, we're going to start talking a little bit or revisit a little bit um, what we talked about last week, which is our inner hype man and being able to acknowledge our strengths and celebrate our successes to foster a positive view of ourselves. So Christy, how did that go for you? You know, that's really interesting that you mentioned it. Cause like in our pre-show talk, I was thinking, huh, my week was kind of quiet. You know, uh, what did I have to hype about myself? And then I just remembered literally as, as you were asking me the question, I'd set a sales goal for my um, publishing business. And I can, I'm very excited to report and celebrate right here with you that I got 94% of that sales goal for my last 30 days. So I was pretty excited about that because it was an aggressive goal um, for growth sales. And I'd gone out and I'd, um, you know, uh, experimented with some new advertising techniques for some titles that I had that are very old, like from uh, seven or eight years ago, mm -hmm. and was able to like generate some more revenue. So I'm kind of feeling excited about that. And my hype man has literally made me feel more like a publisher. So I'm looking into publishing. Uh, I, you know, I've mostly made my money in um, eBooks, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, some of my paperbacks have started to sell and I'm looking to broaden those kind of titles. And I want to learn some more um, steps about publishing actual paperbacks and distribution because of course we're going to write a book. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I just feel like my inner hype man um, well, I kind of always have hype man going on. Do you know what I mean? I always have that going on. But I was able to, yeah, celebrate a few of my successes and just remember to celebrate it here with you right now. <laughs> so how did it go for you? Well, first of all, congratulations on that goal. That's really, that is really great. So I'm, I'm so excited to hear about that. Um, for me, I think it was, it went well. I had a little bit of a quiet week because I wasn't at work. I'm uh, with my mom helping her out this week. And so I was like, well, <laughs> it's just the two of us hanging out. There's not a lot of opportunity for hyping. Um, but I will say this week was great because I started uh, writing my first book. Uh, yes, congratulations. So yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, with this... Um, online program that you introduced me to, the NaNoWriMo. It's writing every day or close to every day uh, to have a certain number of words uh, written by the end of the month. And uh, I, I was, I had to do a little bit of a hype man just to even get started because of course I've never done this before. And my perfectionism was coming out real hard. And I just had to say no, I'm going to, I'm just going to try it and go for it. And whatever happens, happens. And, uh, at first I set my, I, I set my word count like really aggressively low, uh, cause I was like, you know what, this way I know I'm going to, going to make it. Um, but I had to rethink that and my, let my inner hype man come out to say, you know what, I can do a higher goal. I can, make a plan for putting aside time to be able to do this every day or, 
or nearly every day so that I could make this goal. And I set my goal at 50,000 words and that's really intimidating. Um, but I'm doing it anyway. So my inner hype, <laughs> my inner hype man says, you know what, even if it's, if it, no matter what comes out, just getting something out and on paper, proverbially paper, um, that's, that's the win. And that's what I'm going to hype and be excited about. I'm really excited about this because um, you've told me a little bit about um, the book and this is a novel. So this is like fiction, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to like read it. And of course I'm all for everybody writing. I love it. I think it's the greatest thing in the world that and stand up comedy are two of my favorite things. And uh, yeah, yeah. I was pretty psyched to see that I buddied you uh, on their, uh, their, their website or whatnot, yep. even sent you a message through the, even though we talk regularly, it's just more exciting to send the message through the system. Like, mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was pretty excited about that. Also, just because, um, you know, I'm stepping more into my role as publisher in general. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, hmm, we'll see what happens when your book is done. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All it's, it's nice to uh, even just to have a, have a hype plan almost for future events. Like I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, my friend Christie's going to publish it and it's going to be great. I'm already hyping myself up for that and hyping you up as well. So it's working out. Yeah. Because the genre that you picked is, um, uh, by all means, like a genre that I'm very familiar with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've also got a really nice marketing plan for the current books in my catalog. Okay. All the books I wrote, um, right. but they're current books in my catalog, uh, you know, for that particular genre. So I'm pretty mm -hmm. psyched about that. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because I think there's a weird, like delayed effect of all of our missions. Like it is for the week. You know what I mean? I was really getting into my hype man, but for me personally, like I, I kind of live my life in a state of hype man, right? Like I, you know, I am, I paint, I don't even think it's a third of the wall that I think of it. I paint like a, like two tenths of the wall. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, <laughs> look at me, I paint walls now. You know what I mean? I, um, I'm just very good at celebrating every little thing I do. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, but that reinvention episode that we did, the, the episode before last, um, mm -hmm. I could really start to feel myself like, uh, one, I've, um, I've really gotten into the concept of like, I'm doing, you know, modified alternate day fasting. I'm like, I'm the kind of person who could drink coffee black as we were talking before. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, I mean, that was a big deal because, um, I'm a very cream and sugar kind of person. I actually, coffee was just an excuse to put cream and sugar in a cup and have it. Um, <laughs> And so now I've been enjoying my black coffee as to, you know, get some health benefits of the coffee mm -hmm. without the uh, um, fast eliminating benefits of the sugar and milk. And uh, yeah, so I've just kind of really like stepped into being, um, you know, a person who has the discipline to do a fast. Mm -hmm. And also I've been really stepping into my role as publisher. I've really been like learning things that I've been meaning to learn and doing things and looking at things differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just feel a big change. Mm -hmm. Um and it's just interesting to see that there can be like a delay in like these missions, like sort of taking effect, like the, the work continues to work me even when the week moves on, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do. I also think what, what I recognized at least a little bit this week is when you're letting that inner hype man 
kind of out or being excited about certain things, the just the wonderful kind of bleed through effect that has into other spaces. So this week I was really excited about the writing piece and, um, you know, when I found myself getting a little nervous or wanting to procrastinate, uh, push back that start date a little bit, I had to just think about, okay, you know, I like to write, I feel like I'm good at writing, you know, just normal everyday kind of writing. And so I just kind of grabbed onto that and let that kind of propel me forward to get started. And what I found was, and it, it, probably something that's maybe obvious for other people. But when I was excited about the one thing, then I just felt like everything else that I was doing, uh, or that I'm looking forward to doing maybe in the next week or so just has this excited kind of energy. And I'm finding that it's like, I'm because I can do this one thing. And because I'm really psyching up or, or hyping up being able to do that, other things in my life have that same energy and, and just so many things now feel possible and the opportunity piece, all of these things are like really exciting and, and just, um, you know, there's unknowns associated with all of it, but the unknown truly is something that I, that's almost like I'm, I can't wait to see what happens next versus, you know, in the past, or sometimes I get a little caught up on, oh my gosh, I'm so worried uh, about what's going to happen next. I, I, because I assume that maybe something's not going to work out. Now, having this hype man kind of let all of the, that exciting energy kind of permeate other things. There's just so much to look forward to and to do and so many things to try. It feels like if I can try this, heck, let's just keep that rolling. Yes, because I find that like, I really like that each week we have a mission and it kind of builds on itself. Because for me, a lot of times I really had this, um, I have an ability to really build myself up and like get really hyped about something. But I have in the past had issues with like continuous effort, right? I, mm. I mean, distinctly remember a third grade report card that had like inconsistent effort listed on it. Um, and I was so disappointed because it, it was like some sort of, um, I don't know, new school system where they had just uh, excellent, satisfactory and needs improvement. Oh. You know, instead of saying kids failed, um, but everybody just looked at the N for needs improvement as an F. Right. And for me, consistent effort needed improvement. Mm -hmm. And I will say that having done the um, disappointment mission, Mm -hmm. Like putting like a plan into place and mm -hmm. just literally like reconfiguring what I consider a failure mm -hmm. um, has made me less afraid of the downside to my natural hype man. Like mm -hmm. my hype man is I'm a publisher. I'm awesome. And then it's like when the sales don't do well or when the book doesn't do as well as I thought me just going, oh, well, now it's all ruined. And the idea that I could take like a backlist title that I've had out for many, many years, you know, um, experiment with some you know, some different type of advertising and see some success, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Was just, was just very exciting to me. And, mm -hmm. um, also my excitement doesn't have that, um, 
that sort of, listen, isn't this exciting as we ride the sled? But I'm like, I'm sure we're going off the side of a cliff at any moment now. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like, because that's what I felt like a lot of times I was hyping myself up to just, you know, just sail off the side of a cliff and go, oh, oh, this again. Dun, dun, mm-hmm. dun. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> and now it's just sort of like I've plotted a course. Like, I know where this mm-hmm. excitement can lead. I don't know for a fact where it, it's exactly going to go, but I know like, oh, we have a parachute. We have, you know, these, you know, safety mechanisms in place um, to keep me from, you know, splatting all over the proverbial ground um, <laughs> of my excitement, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did. I do. I think I was trying something similar in starting this um, thing because this book, because I was, I'm really worried about you know, like having people first, you know, read that first draft, because, you know, the first draft, I mean, I know, you know, is always going to need work. And so I just, what kept getting in my way was imagining (laughs) giving somebody that first draft, and then just having them like not even be able to say anything, but like, just shake their head, like, no, Brianna, no. (laughs) And then I had to manage my idea of what disappointment would be and just know that as we talked about before, that that failure piece is, of course, that's if that's what happens, it's not going to feel great. But what I now know and what my inner hype man is reminding me is that one, I am strong enough to weather that kind of disappointment or um, I'll just keep it there, that kind of disappointment. But I also know that I love to learn and I definitely know that I like to improve. So if my first draft is not great um, and I get feedback on how to make it better, then the the goal is I that I will be learning something um, and that I'll be learning how to be a better writer, better storyteller, whatever the case may be. And that, uh, you know, that kind of inner cheerleader is reminding me that I know how to do. I know how to make, I know how to learn from my mistakes. I definitely know how to, um, you know, take that mistake and learn how to do something differently, better, flip it around, whatever the case may be. So that to me was instead of just, you know, hyping myself up to say this first draft is going to be the greatest thing anybody will have ever read, (laughs) which is not going to be true. um, I just was very realistic to say, you know what, when the feedback comes back, take it all in, even whatever disappointment you may have, uh, you know, noodle it around, whatever, learn from it, and then go into that next draft and keep plugging away. Exactly. And one of the cool things about writing a first draft, and they might sometimes they call it like a vomit draft, especially when you're doing like a NaNoWriMo, like 50,000 words in a month, which is like, I think, um, 1667 a day, um, Mm -hmm. is that, like, I always relate it to, let's say you want to decorate your living room. Um, What you need to do is just haul everything from the truck into the living room. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then once you have it all in there in the space, it's very easy, even before you invite guests over to look at it, to sort of move chunks of it around. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So one of the great things about like a first draft and that I like is that you'll find that by the time you get to the end of it, you'll already know a lot of what needs to be fixed. It'll be really interesting, especially with the type of book that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be surprised that when you get it all out there, you'll already know like 
Like you don't have to show your first draft unless you really want to, but you get, you get a second shot at it. That's the great thing. That's the thing I love about writing. It's not like when we record these podcasts and we record them live, essentially, mm -hmm. we don't do a lot of editing. We don't do anything. So unlike this, where it's like, um, you can't take it back. You always get to take it back. That's what I love about writing. Cause well, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody has heard me talk. So by now, uh, sometimes I say things that I'm like, Ooh, uh wow i wish i could bring that back <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's gonna bite me in the butt later <laughs> yep why well, and i think we've probably all been you know in the i wish i could walk that backstage um <laughs> but guess what we learn from it and we try to do better next time <laughs> exactly uh, um yeah i think from this week, the biggest piece that I've taken away is just really, regardless of what the activity is or what it is that I'm trying to do, it's just staying present. That was another big thing is just staying present and not getting too uh, caught up in what's going to happen, what's happened before, but just be in this moment right now. And, you know, what, again, what do I have the control over? And then okay, in this moment, I know how to do X, Y, and Z. This is what I'm good at. Here's what I'm going to watch out for. And then just go about my business and try to be, uh, try to keep that positive view. And the one thing I noticed too this week about, you know, just being kind of excited and about my strengths and celebrating, you know, whatever successes I've had in the past is just how fun it feels to be excited about things. And again, probably seems kind of obvious, but there just really is such a different energy approaching things as if, ah, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen and I'm going to learn from it versus, oh my gosh, I'm going to ruin this. Like you say, uh, you know, Christmas is ruined. Um, that there's just, there's just so much excitement and energy around, exciting energy rather, when you know, I, as I have started letting this kind of inner hype man out. I agree. And I really dig, like it is, it does make life in general more fun. It's not absolutely necessary for success, but like the celebration, the victory dance does like beget an excitement about life, which mm -hmm. makes it easier to stay present and stop thinking, oh yeah, once I'm in the future, then I'll be mm -hmm. happy, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Which, oh, I'm sorry about that. Which brings us to this week's uh, topic. We were talking about things that we have to leave behind mm -hmm. uh, and how we may need to acknowledge and release those things that no longer work for us uh, once we begin to make like changes in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I do actually think a lot of times when you start celebrating your success and you start becoming more positive as a person, um, that there are like old habits and things that I used to do that I have to say goodbye to. Mm -hmm. Um and I found like that this week, uh, you know, a good friend called me up and the the conversation kind of, and I've noticed this when I'm low energy, I have a lower mood and I'm more likely to be less positive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the conversation kind of drifted into like gossip. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I engaged in the gossip and felt really terrible afterwards. Uh, and I realized it just, one of the things I'm going to leave behind is that sort of, um, 
that sort of easy way to relate to people or to feel good about yourself. Do you know what I mean? When you're engaging in things that are less than desirable, like I, it's definitely going to be something that I do have to leave behind. And I do know what it's like when I was in like a lower mood where it made, it was more fun to like gossip about this person and gossip about that for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I remember at work, like how we used to complain so much about when we first did the positivity fest and how we changed that. And I did have to let go of that sort of cheap and easy way to bond with people because mm-hmm. it doesn't work for me anymore. Um, and also I have to deal with the fallout of that because people love to share gossip. And if I'm not a person that can engage in that anymore, do you know what I mean? I do understand that I be- come across as being a little less fun to some people mm-hmm. and I have to say goodbye to that. Yes. And I think one of the other pieces that comes from that behavior, because I, you know, when we first did the positivity fest, there is that complaining kind of gossipy, I don't know, pitfall uh, that can, you know, that we can so easily fall into. And one of the things I noticed about myself is one, like you said, it it doesn't feel good, but then also I found it eventually, you know, that type of behavior was making it harder for me to know who I could trust. Um, and I, and I knew that if I was having a hard time with that, that I'm assuming other people were having a hard time knowing if they could trust me, uh, in, you know, talking about identity, um, I definitely want to be a person, you know, wanted to make sure that I'm a person who is trustworthy and people feel comfortable coming to that can give support and all these things. And I found, you know, a piece of my life that was really changing uh, at that time was that I wasn't really being that for other people. I felt like as I was, you know, kind of succumbing to the lower energy a more negative view, whatever the case may be, um, I wasn't as involved in, you know, the people in my life, I wasn't as involved in their lives. And so when we did the positivity fest the first time, that really, for me, was one of the things that helped me was leaving behind kind of that negative outlook and attitude. And what I gained from that then was the, uh, you know, obviously the opposite of that was, which is the positive view, but I also just gained space maybe uh, to then re-engage with other people and, um, and, and just be more, more present, uh, more present for them. I agree. It's, it's interesting because it took me a long time to realize, um, you know, cause we've been working on this for a really long time. And there was a part, there was a time when we were apart and I can't say that like when I'm around more positive people, or at least people who are making an effort to be more positive, that mm-hmm. it's easy for me to sustain. And what I hadn't realized, and one of the reasons why I think sometimes I fall back is because there is this idea that, that I'm starting to finally come to realize that there are some people that I've known for a really long time. Um, that I, uh, um, especially, you know, some people that I know, um, you know, uh, you know, as in comedy that, um, mm-hmm. 
Oh, and I know, okay, just, just as a total disclaimer, there's one person who regularly listens to the podcast. Uh, Chris, if you think I'm talking about you, it's not you. Okay, so I'm going to keep going just so he doesn't. It's not you, Chris. Don't. Um, I realize, oh my God, it's going to sound, he's going to think it's him. It's not you. Uh, but there's some other people that I've known for a really long time that I've just found myself not calling because I realize I am. Um, there's like that hangover feeling and I just mm -hmm. can't go there anymore. Do you know what I mean? I just, I can't go there and I don't want to live with the results of that. And I had to acknowledge that one of the things that I got out of being negative is misery loves company. And there's a lot more company to choose from sometimes um, depending on what field you're in or who you've previously surrounded yourself with um, mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, uh, you know, taking a positive view, not, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a sort of, um, it's a sort of, uh, it, it can be, it can be, I don't think it has to be, but with the circles that I've kept, it's not the more predominant view. Let's just put it that way. That's a positive way to say it. Uh, it's a more unusual take on the world. In the world of comedy, you know, um, a lot of times it's tragedy plus time equals comedy. And it's great to, I love comedy as a, as a way of coping with life's sad parts, but I do feel like in some of the company that I kept, I don't, I don't, not married to the idea that it has to stay that way. Um, but in a lot of the company that I kept, um, the negative view was considered edgy. It was considered um, smarter. It was considered, uh, you know, it's easy, it's easier to be a cynic and there's a lot of quick and easy jokes to be had there. Um, mm -hmm. And I have to let go of those things to reach for something greater. And it is, um, there is a little bit of mourning there. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're losing, uh, whenever we lose something that's such a big part of our lives or our experience, there is going to be that mourning or that grief that goes with the loss. And I think in, there have been times in my life where that feels so, so big um, that I've actually chosen not to lose, you know, whatever that may be. For me, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, less about people and more about habits. I think, um, you know, lose losing what feels like a part of myself uh or or losing thinking about losing a part of myself and then the unknown of like what's going to fill that has at times kept me from actually sticking with making the change and sticking with it i know we um you know we both talk about the howness <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes no health and wellness piece mm -hmm. and uh you know, this has been a really long journey for me. And part of the work is getting comfortable with, you know, losing all of the, not all, but losing some of the ideas or perspectives I have about myself as I am now and feeling like if I lost that part of me, I would essentially be lost. And it's only recently until, you know, at least in part until we started doing some of this work again, that I remembered, pull out a little bit of my inner hype man, to remember that I am actually a really resilient person and can deal with uncertainty. So I just need to push on uh, and move into this next phase and let those old thought processes or old habits go. And I'll be, it'll be hard, uh, but I'll, in the long run, I'll be okay. 
Right. And there is that part where you are letting go. Um, you know, there's that, that concept that they say, I think it's like a, like a, I think it's a Christian concept of dying to oneself, right? Mm -hmm. That, that concept, um, where when you're in the process of letting go of your old you, you know, I mean, you, there is a chance for a total reinvention. Um, but you know, it, it, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to do an episode on the things we leave behind and the people we leave behind is because a lot of times not acknowledging that to get something new, you find yourself naturally giving stuff up. Um, it, it prevents the permanent change. Like you have mm -hmm. to, I, I've had to acknowledge that I am letting things go. Like for, for me in the health and wellness piece, you know, it's, um, there were people when, uh, like there is kind of a fun bonding that I've had with my, um, fellow like unhealthy people, right? Like, um, when I was drinking, you know, um, I mean, I was drinking up to like a two, not up to a, easily drinking two liters of diet Pepsi a day, uh, towards the end of my soda habit. And mm -hmm. I had to let go of, and I realized this afterwards, and I know this is going to sound insane because I drank a lot of diet Pepsi and a lot of diet Coke. I mean, a lot, it, it had become an identity for me. Like if we were going somewhere, the excitement of getting a diet Coke refill was like beyond like the people at, I went to a Seven Eleven. I'd been out of the country for three years. Uh, if you can hear that, that's fireworks were, um, it's a holiday. It's Fourth of July today while we're recording that. And uh, if you if you hear like what sounds like me crashing into something, that's my neighbors. Uh, and it's only <laughs> the afternoon. Uh, I'll go on. Um, so like literally, I was out of the country for forever. I walk into a Seven Eleven. I come in. The guy still remembers me because I used to drink a a, a big gulp a day. Mm. I'd be in there every day. Uh, mm. And I remember like it's been over like a year and four months or something like that since I've had, um, yeah. Oh my God. A year and six months. Cause we're in July now. Mm -hmm. Um, since I've had a uh, diet Coke, I went into Seven Eleven a couple of months ago and they didn't know me. Um, and I didn't realize that I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Oh yeah. This isn't cheers anymore. The Seven Eleven. <laughs> this is just, uh, like, like, oh yeah, because I don't come here on the daily and I don't get the free rewards points. They're expiring. Mm -hmm. And 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 listen, I'm saving like two to three hundred dollars on seven eleven because you can't just go with it in there and get your double big gulp if you're me. You you've got to go in there and buy oh yeah, I I I graduated from like just a regular big gulp to that obnoxiously large double big gulp that people are like, who drinks that? I did. That was me. Uh I was it barely fit into my cup holder. I had to like slide it in on the side. Um <laughs> And I was still like, and I, I, drinking it, I knew it was a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I used to make jokes about it, um, but it was like something fun that I did. And when I finally um, stopped, and if you want the secret to stopping, um, get a terrible cold, realize that while you were sick, you couldn't swallow the soda. And you went, oh, wait, I went through the withdrawal already. Why start again? Like, that's mm -hmm. how I stopped. Because <laughs> I was like, I told myself I was going to stop at the new year and I got a flu that Christmas. And I went, well, I might as well just stay stopped because every time I'd stop, I'd get those, those headaches. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I was truly addicted to the caffeine um, and it was wreaking havoc on my health. And yet I kept going for the longest time. But I will say that for like four months, people would be like, congratulations. How does it feel? The truth was, Brianna, it felt terrible. I was incredibly <laughs> sad. Like every time something good happened, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to celebrate with a diet. Oh, I don't do that anymore. Like I was mm -hmm. like, 
I didn't realize how much my inner height man had relied on a double big gulp or uh, a McDonald's drive through diet soda. Like also when you're dieting like that treat, it's like, yeah, I can go all day with just a diet Coke. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you don't have that anymore. Enjoy your black decaf coffee now. Um, you know, if I'm honest and I'll be honest, not as fun, not as fun, <laughs> not not even remotely near as fun. There's no one mm-hmm. at the 7-Eleven, like, because I can make it at home. I mean, I will mm-hmm. say, though, that the savings, I mean, I, my budget, if you're spending two to $300 a month at 7-Eleven on your way to work every day, mm-hmm. like the idea that I saved over two, sometimes possibly as much as $3,000 a year, like, that's half of maxing out my Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? <laughs> What was I doing? <laughs> and that's how, at least in part, I think that's how we get through that mourning or grief period is trying to find the positive of whatever the, the changes and the thing that we've left behind. Um, if we can keep a focus on that, it makes it a little easier to get through. So I know we, we talked uh, a little bit earlier in the week about your <laughs> new foray into the black coffee. Um, and I, I'm still convinced that we'll find a, we're going to find a, a, a coffee and a ratio that's going to work for you. I uh, d- don't give up. Um, but I think uh, it is definitely what I've had to realize or, or work on is to, to maybe focus less on what I feel like I'm losing. And like you with the, you know, seeing the amount of money that you're saving you just really look at what is, what is the positive here? Um, and, and that, I mean, I think ultimately that's the goal, right? With taking the positive view of something is you can acknowledge um, maybe feeling sad or a little nostalgic for something um, or sometimes someone that you've, you know, had to let go of or leave behind but then there really is that opportunity to look at, well, what am I, what have I gained? Um, what am, what's, what's going on for me in a, in a kind of the future perspective. So, you know, if you look at say the money that you've saved and you can look, you know, two, three years ahead and just kind of think about, wow, that's going to be a lot of money that I've saved from letting go of the diet soda. Um, those things really, looking at those positives have really helped me to make some pretty tough changes uh, in, or what felt like they were going to be tough changes uh, in my life. Yeah. And I think you hit upon a really important point, which is like focusing on a bigger, the bigger goal here is definitely what helped me get through it. Also for Mm -hmm. me, there was that consistency. Like um, it was, I had a streak going, right? I'd gone this much time without mm-hmm. doing it. I didn't want, like, I wanted to keep it going. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, also, I wanted to avoid the negative consequence of getting back into that um, caffeine withdrawal headache. Because for me, they, they were tremendous. Um, and what's interesting for me, and I realized why it was harder for me in the past to change, was I didn't have the emotional maturity to really keep my eye focused on the long-term gain. 
right? Like the thing about, um, like for instance, like right now I'm, you know, I'm doing the alternate day fasting. Um, and for me, it's a modified fast. So I, I do eat some, of course I'd pick the kind of fasting where there's some food involved. Um, but, uh, I'm open to the idea that I'd later be able to get the spiritual and health benefits of going like a full day or two, um, without eating, um, just to see that I can do that. But the problem that I'd had in the past was that I needed that immediate gratification. Um, mm -hmm. And there's more of a delayed gratification health-wise, do you know what I mean, when, when these changes are made. And so like being able to see the big picture, but also like re-identifying myself as I'm the kind of person who can do this. Do you know what I mean? And seeing myself in a new light helps me to get over that discomfort. Because I used to... Um, I used to bond with people like I, I used to have a joke in my act that uh, for me, life is a party and all I do is stand awkwardly by the food. <laughs> and that's, that's a hilarious joke. And um, I'm really identifying like, okay, who are my people? Well, the truth is I actually am the kind of person who talks to people at a party. Um, I'm not always um, a big fan of large parties, which people it, that, that constantly surprises people that I'm kind of an introverted person. At times, I'm pre I have a preference for one on one, and they're like, "But you do comedy." I'm like, "But you gotta understand, it's one on one. It's one comedian with one audience. It's not like I'm not talking to seventy people in seventy different conversations. Um, and I'm also given a very specific time that I'm going to talk. Right? Like these are your five minutes. They listen. You've got a microphone. They don't. Do you know what I mean? It's very simple and straightforward. But anyway, but at a party I can, or at a convention, I can meet people. I don't stand awkwardly by the food all the time. And like sort of giving up that old identity is easier when I focus on like I'm the kind of person who's excited to meet new people. I want to know people who do fun and exciting things. Like as I see myself in a new light, I mean, I was just telling you like the, you know, the black coffee thing I've always, I guess from that hard boiled detective novel that I went, you know, that I read at way too young of an age. I'm like, coffee black, you know, whiskey straight. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like that idea. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, it, it makes a little bit of fun where there is a lot of loss if, mm -hmm. uh, to, to make a long story yet even longer. Um, <laughs> but also I have to give up that underdog mentality that I'm used to having because people always root for an underdog. And, you know, sometimes like it, I realize that what I want to change into and what I'm working toward is being a healthy, disciplined person um, that is actually like a fit person, like mm -hmm. not just healthy, but fit. Mm -hmm. And um, to be honest, <laughs> I used to make fun of those people. All right. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, enjoy your shake or whatever. Like, <laughs> And we were genuinely going, yeah, well, maybe on the days where you're not so hungry, a meal replacement shake. And I'm like, maybe, but I'm all, oh no, this is where it happens. Like I literally was like, I was like, I'll just eat a pickle and drink pickle juice out of a jar because I don't want to, because I'm getting cramps from the electrolytes and everybody keeps saying pink Himalayan sea salt. And I don't know why I have such an aversion to that. <laughs> But it's because I don't want to be one of those supplement people. And I'm like, why? You like those people. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to. Oh, that's so weird. Like, why am I fighting this? Like, right. <laughs> There is. Um, you've touched on a couple things there. Um, first of all, the emotional maturity piece and the needing the, you know, that idea of wanting to just have the instant gratification is a huge piece. Um 
that it took me a really long time to recognize I was even doing. Um, and, uh, and it does come for me, it came down to kind of being able to see a bigger picture. So rather than just living kind of moment to moment thinking about, well, what do I want right now? It does come, it has come down rather for me to really, um, being able to attach my actions in the moment to the big picture of what I want, um, or the, you know, the goal, uh, that I'm after. And that was a really tough kind of, I don't know. I feel like that was a tough situation for me to recognize that I was maybe behaving in a way that was emotionally immature or just straight up immature. Um, because I mean, I have, I've been the immature kid forever and maybe that's it it's you know being that kind of super responsible kid into adult and then in my personal life feeling like well I'm responsible and making all the right decisions everywhere else in my personal life I'm just gonna do what I want and it's gonna be great um you know cut to trying to make some pretty significant uh health changes in my early 40s is I mean it's not terrible, but it's also not as easy if I'd maybe done it 15 or even 20 years ago. Um, so it is a matter of keeping an eye on the bigger picture, which for me can be very tough because what I'm noticing in our current sort of environment is I get distracted really, really easily. Um, I, I can, I think I've talked about this before, but I can kind of especially when it comes to work, I can kind of focus on something for maybe six or seven minutes before I get distracted. And what I've noticed is that I've actually, I feel like trained myself to, to allow for distraction. So I can, you know, have a goal, be on a plan and then <laughs> seriously get to, if I have a goal for the week, get to the end of the week and just realize I just kind of totally forgot about it. <laughs> that I was even going to do this thing. So I've had to start writing uh, notes to myself on like the bathroom mirror or leave little post-its just as little kind of reminders like, okay, this is what I'm focusing on this week. Um, so that I don't get one caught up by the distraction, but also so that I can keep an eye on that bigger picture and hopefully be more likely to make better choices and decisions in the moment and not, you know, not kind of get caught up in that immature, emotionally, like I want it and I want it now sort of thinking. Yes, I'm very, I am like, I am Veruca Salt. I want a new Baluba. <laughs> I want it now. Because um, I, and then there's like certain things that like when I change, um, there's certain things that I didn't anticipate were like, I didn't realize how much I use food and diet soda to cope with my feelings. And those mm -hmm. feelings could be boredom, uh, just a weird habit response. Like, oh, weird. Like when I want to watch and I call it TV, I got rid of my, I got rid of a television a long time ago because as a writer who enjoys television and boy, did they have great shows on TV. Um, I knew that if once I quit my job and went to writing full time that I would actually just transition into watching television full time if I had like a TV. But then TV got super clever and they started putting it on my internet 
Do you know what I mean? So, and then of course, you know, um, I wouldn't commit to a Netflix password, but my sister let it slip one day. Um, and, uh, you know, now I have Netflix and I have Amazon prime because I buy Christmas presents and I, you know, I've, I like the two day shipping because sometimes I procrastinate, you know, I've, I just come from a family of, um, New Year's Eve shoppers. We'd all go to the mall. This is how old the story is. The mall. Remember those? We'd all go on New Year's Eve. I'm not New Year's Eve. That would be even more way worse. But Christmas Eve, I should say. In I one didn't car. Judge. Yeah. I know. <laughs> We'd go in one car and do all our shopping in one night and like cloak and dagger. It's a five five person family. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to like hide their presence from each other. And we'd we'd go and get bags. And it was actually there's kind of there's some fun. There's like some manic and you get some weird presents sometimes. Because <laughs> you get what's left. <laughs> um but still. Um and then sometimes now like it's just like a person um like who's changing, like I didn't realize like how much, you know, adrenaline I get from putting things off to the last minute, how much um how uh much of like um my happiness was dependent on caffeine and how much just my general boredom and sad feelings were taken care of by food Mm -hmm. and with the absence of those things i've been um put in the position i've been given the opportunity let's say Mm -hmm. to learn new ways of coping um which is sometimes manifests itself in crying uh, sleeping, then alternatively not being able to sleep and then journaling. Do you know what I'm saying? And, um, not as easy, but more rewarding, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, I love your Christmas story. First of all, uh, (laughs) um, I too am a Christmas procrastinator, but that's beside the point. Sorry, mom. Um, but there, there is that there is that learning that comes with letting go of the the now this is the way this is the way i behave or this is this is who i am now after you've kind of you know made the choice you've kind of done the work you're growing as a person and and you know growth spurts are difficult and we just may have to try a few times to figure out what's going to work for us in our new kind of space um, or, or the new way that we're doing things. But it really is important that we, we at least try those new things. So for, you know, talking about the coping mechanisms, um, I used to be someone, I love journals. Like I have a problem. (laughs) I buy them all the time. And I would, you know, I just found a journal the other day that I started writing in that I started in like 2015. <laughs> and I think I wrote in like two pages and then was like, nah, I'm all right. Um, but one of the things in finding the new ways of coping or finding new ways of doing things is you might actually find that your new thing is something that you tried before um, and maybe didn't work out or wasn't quite right that that may be now. So, you know, you bring up journaling and I've never really done it consistently. And I find, you know, now as we're doing some of this work and I'm working on a few other things, it's actually incredibly helpful for me and is a a great way to get all of the overanalyzing that I do in my head out 
on paper so that it can, you know, create some more uh, beneficial or healthy mental space for myself. So it is a matter of just trying a few things um, and being okay with knowing that the first few things that you try as part of the, um, I, I don't know about necessarily new you or, but I'll say it for lack of a better phrase, trying things as the new you, just try it out and know that if it doesn't work right away, it doesn't necessarily mean that letting go of, of that old thing was the wrong thing to do. Yes. Yes. It's so true because sometimes one of the things I realized that I was afraid of or um, that was uncomfortable to me is when I had a lot of bad habits and I was running around making bad decisions, which made for hilarious comedy bits. I mean, one of my, my favorite bad decisions to make was dating. I would date everything that was just, um, you know, hilariously doomed. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, it was kind of like a weird, um, I guess almost like an addiction to just like the, the action and the adrenaline of meeting new people and going out and doing things. And I, and I, I did what I consider to be over dating. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but there was always like a dinner to go to or a new guy to meet. And, and I felt um, desired and I felt like a popular person having, you know, grown up as an unpopular kid, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, when I stopped uh, dating, um, you know, because after a while it was getting kind of heartbreaking and it was wearing me down when I stopped, um, and then I had to enact like what I considered to be a dating standard, which I know is, um, and my dating standard started with, I had to actually like the person and they had to like me back. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I mean, like, I mean, I genuinely had to enjoy them as a person, not just somebody who was fun, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they genuinely had to like me back too. Cause I used to do this thing where I try to win people over all the time. I still do. I, I like to connect with people, but there's a difference between connecting with people and trying to win them over where you're just mm -hmm. sort of making yourself into the person that you think they would like. Um, and, you know, once I stopped doing that, that eliminated a significant portion of um, my potential dates. <laughs> and what I was left with was um, a sort of a giant hole in my social calendar and a lot mm -hmm. more quiet time. And, um, there was a time where I would just be afraid to like leave that opening there. I had this need to like fill a gap, even in schedule. Sometimes when I choose to transition from one thing to another, there's like a hole in my schedule and there's this urge to just fill it quickly with whatever is next. Mm -hmm. And I've learned there's a reward to waiting to see, do you know what I mean? What's worth the time instead of just what I have time for. Um, and as I've like focused on who I'm trying to, who, not trying to be, who I'm becoming and where I want to go in the world, um, like relating what I do in this minute has everything to do with who I am and who I'm becoming, um, mm -hmm. you know, has helped me choose wisely. Um, and there, but there was a manic fun and um, a spontaneity. You can still be spontaneous, but it's... Um, I mean, uh, terrible dates are fantastic party stories. Mm -hmm. uh, like living a mature life where, you know, I wake up and I do the things that I'm supposed to um, isn't as hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've talked about uh, your floor robot thingy oh. a lot and it's been very funny. <laughs> 
I love I, that robot. I know it's just a floor sweeper. Everybody calls it a mopping whatever, but darn it, it's a robot. I grew up watching the Jetsons. I have a robot that cleans my floor. I'm totally psyched about it. It's the best purchase I've ever made. I really should, honestly, if we can get a sponsor for the floor robot, which I, by the way, have named Robot. I'm that person. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I, yeah, I love that. I don't know why that's such a big deal in my life, but it is. I've genuinely made changes. I cut my hair because of the robot. I won't get the longer <laughs> curtains because of the robot. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no. Because I, mm -hmm. I just, I... I could be the kind of person who sweeps her floors every day, but I don't feel like making that change when there's a robot. Right. I, I'm, I can embrace that. I'm the kind of person who will let a robot do my cleaning for me. See, there you go. We just had a nice, funny story. About <laughs> I don't know how entertaining that is. It's I'm not laughing. as much fun as when I dated the, you know, the coke addicted used car salesman. Come on, sweetheart, sweetheart. I've been doing this for 20 years and I haven't become addicted. Really? Oh, that was a direct quote. That joke wrote itself. Yep. <laughs> yes. So there is maybe uh, when we make the change uh, or a change and uh, are deciding to leave some things behind, we may have to leave uh, kind of the the easy stories or um, those things that, uh, you know, that we for a long time saw as positives because not everything, um, you know, not everything that we were doing felt bad or felt negative or, or we wouldn't probably have been doing it. But there is so much, I think, uh, in this last week with the inner hype man, uh, the week before talking about reinventing ourselves, it really, for me, is highlighting just how much uh, that big picture focus is actually making me really excited about my life. So, you know, if I am... I know I talk about kayaking a lot, so sorry guys, but I'm still waiting for my kayak. Uh, but when it gets here, I am psyched and ready to go. Um, but I need to continue doing sort of those small things, um, exercising, eating well, uh, learning of, uh, learning more and more about kayaking and water safety, of course. Uh, but some of those things uh, that maybe would seem daunting or like that I felt like were too much for me, doing those things in service of something bigger, uh, in service of, you know, kind of living that lifestyle that I really want or, or, um, or know that is going to really uh, give me the sense of accomplishment and help me be positive about myself that is so much more fulfilling you know than maybe making not so great choices or or maybe choosing to not go for that hike one day um i'm getting a little lost in my thought because i realize some of these things that i'm just coming to have the realization of people are like yeah that's called being a grown up <laughs> but it it truly has taken me this long to just recognize that that bigger picture, if you can, if I can stay focused on that and, you know, make a lot of, run my decisions kind of by like, is this in service of who I say I am and who I want to be? I, I just feel like 
whatever I have to let go to do that is worth it. You know, you really hit on a really great point, which is I think my mind um, just naturally is like, I don't want to grow up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm a Toys R Us kid. No, I don't want to grow up. Like, there's a part mm-hmm. of me that I realized that I had to let go of is is there's two things here. I, one, have told myself the story that being responsible and doing the right thing and being, uh, like, you know, looking to the future and knowing that, I mean, it's very exciting to realize one day that I can become a millionaire. Like, I can become a millionaire and do all the exciting things that I've wanted in my life and have everything that I want in five minutes and $5 increments at a time. Literally Mm -hmm. how I fill five minutes of my day can determine each five minutes can determine whether or not I'm a successful publisher making multi-millions of dollars or just a person telling hilarious stories about bad dates. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's a part of me that sort of, that I'm letting go of, um, that has this erroneous idea that being responsible and being a grown up one, isn't any fun. But if I, when I'm in touch with my inner hype man, I can see how it's exciting and all the exciting things that I do. It's like, listen, running around making bad choices doesn't allow me to like, I mean, we have dreams of, you know, uh, getting together on retreats with everybody listening and doing all this fun stuff. And I get to talk to people who are like making their dreams happen. And I just love the idea of having, um, you know, like, um, I don't know, like a salon of like a, like a group of people who get together and mm. talk about their excitement and, and, you know, egg each other on. And like, I don't know. Um, I, I was really excited when, um, uh, a good friend of mine who also listened to a podcast invited me to take her Samba class. Now I've since had some health issues where I haven't been able to go back for a second one, but it was just exciting to see people like doing interesting and artistic things. You know, like Mm -hmm. she just really learned Sampa and now she's giving like Zoom classes and putting it out there. And I just sort of love being a part of that. And if Mm -hmm. I want that bigger, more exciting thing, do you know what I mean? I have to give up sort of being, I hadn't realized like how much of me was in love with the the sort of being the butt of my own joke, if you know what I'm saying. Like living the life of a person who was literally a joke. Um, And it's like, I don't have to be a clown to be interesting. Um, and what I mean by clown is not, not, I'd have to, you know, suddenly become like this serious person, but I mean, I don't have to make, you know, silly and ridiculous choices to have something funny to say. And, um, but I do realize, you know, there is a part of me that doesn't want to grow up, but you know, um, you know, the little kid in me isn't the kind of person who's going to necessarily, um, like making kid like choices, but not like squelching my inner child, if you know what I'm saying, isn't going to get me where I want to go. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there is an excitement to, and I've got to lean into that excitement as I say goodbye to those other things, Um, Mm -hmm. as I become more responsible, as I do what I say I'm going to do, as I become like the person I've always dreamed of being, like that excitement of realizing the way to get to be a millionaire and the way to get to be a successful person is five minutes and $5 at a time. Mm -hmm. Right. And as we keep, you know, as we keep moving forward on this path, um, you know, wherever it's going to end up taking us, I think one of the things I definitely recognize, as you were saying, is I have to let go of how I've been thinking about myself. And it's not just trying to develop an inner hype man, (laughs) though I know I need it, um, to, you know, help me see what I'm, what I'm good at or what I can do and celebrate those successes. But like you said, 
it also doesn't need to, I no longer need to think of myself as someone uh, who, um, as someone for whom good things aren't possible. Um, and not that I'm necessarily like a total Debbie Downer about myself. I don't think I am, but I get really caught up in thinking about what's realistic and, and, um, telling myself that some of the, uh, bigger things that I want, um, uh, you know, aren't like we've talked about before, aren't meant for me or, or that seems unrealistic, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, if I'm letting go of that, that's great, but then I have to fill that with something else. And so it's been a real learning curve, you know, kind of figuring out what that, figuring out that balance or what that new sort of tape I play for myself for the way that I think about things um, is going to be. And I don't totally have that down yet. I'm still working on it, but the more and more we, the more and more that we talk and the more we do this work, it's becoming clear that the things that I dream of are possible. So I'm, I'm really working on letting go of that voice in my head when, that tells me it's not. Um, and that's scary because that's the voice that I kind of, you know, I've known the longest. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to having that voice get quieter and quieter and uh, filling that space with something more positive. Absolutely. You know, and I, I would be, one of the things that made me um, want to do this particular episode was that as I've changed as a person and I'm continue to change, um, I've realized that like, I'll give a very specific example that might seem small to other people, but was a big moment to me. There was a, a friend of mine who I'd always kind of admired. It was one of those deals where he was very well-respected and prestigious in comedy at the time that I'd started. And I just kind of had this sort of, he's up here, I'm down here kind of feeling, you know what I mean? And as, as I became, you know, um, uh, more of a comedian and started doing my own thing, I, you know, I, you know, I became more equal with him. Um, but there was always like an inequality in that relationship. And at a certain point when I stopped like over dating, I started to take control of my time and I, you know, started my own business. I had a website and I was just a busier and more productive person who valued myself more. Just as a result of valuing my own time, I realized I can get more done. Long story mm -hmm. even longer, there was a particular time where we were supposed to have um, a conversation. He was like, oh, I'll call you at seven or whatever. And I specifically set aside time for that call because I also value my relationship. So if you say you're going to call at seven, um, you know, a quick message saying I'll be 10 minutes late is no problem. But he was doing that thing that some people do where they say they're going to be 15 minutes late, but then 25 minutes later, they tell you it'll just be another 15 minutes. And before you know it, two hours have gone by. And it, mm -hmm. and, and it's sort of a manipulation. Like, um, like if somebody tells me it's 15 minutes, I'm choosing, I can wait 15 minutes. But if I had been given the information in advance that two hours of my time would be sort of taken up waiting for this call, I would have rescheduled the call. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And at a certain point, I was just like actually starting to be sad. And I remembered, oh yeah, I stopped being the girl who waits by the phone for any man to call at all. Like I don't do that anymore. I stopped that a long time ago. And I'd realized that like, this was going to be my, um, you know, cause I was working from home a lot. 
this was going to be my interaction for the day. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have any coworkers. I was living alone. And I was just like, you know, I'm actually getting depressed and kind of sad here. And I'm starting to feel sort of like a loser. And I'm choosing to do this. Like, I already know he's, I've been manipulated for about two hours to wait. And I was just like, we're going to the movies. Like, that's, I was like, if I would have known, I would have made, you know, I was like, oh, wait, there's a chance for me to go to the movies. So I looked up a time and started driving the movies. Um, and I sent him a quick text saying, oh, hey, we'll have to do the call on another time um, because I'm on my way to the movies now. And he, and of course the text, the next text I got was, oh, cause I was just about ready to call you. Mm-hmm. And I would, and there wasn't a second where I believed that long story, even mm-hmm. longer the next time that he wanted to schedule time for us to talk. And I've had this happen to me with numerous other comedians. It's kind of like a thing comedians do time management and some people in comedy. Um, well, I don't know if it's just comedy, but some people will just say, uh, have a tendency to do the, I'll be there in 15 minutes for like three and four hours if you let them. Um, I was just like, oh, you know what? Actually, why don't you just call when you're ready? And if I'm available, I'll pick up the phone. And because he's already trained me to know. I was like, I started to think, oh, wait a minute. He always keeps me waiting like that. And there was somebody Mm -hmm. else that, you know, wanted help with their book. And they also did that thing. And I was like, oh, I'll, if you don't value my time, I'm not going to schedule time for you. That exact same person sent me a message saying, you've changed. (laughs) And the truth is I had like, at first Mm -hmm. I was like, my first knee jerk reaction was I haven't changed. And I went, Oh wait, he's, he's right. I I have changed. And um, I've got to be honest. I don't think we've had a conversation since because apparently the, um, the what's required to be able to talk to him is that I have to be willing to wait for him to show up. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing with friends. You know, I live in, um, you know, it's sort of the, on the outskirts of Los Angeles and there are people who are like, we should get together. And I said, yeah, are you um, ever in my neighborhood? Or maybe we can meet someplace midway. And, you know, it's funny when I ask people, some people to meet me halfway, they don't message me back anymore. It's always mm-hmm. been apparently like some of the people I know, it's been because I'm convenient, not because, and I don't need to be convenient. I'm willing to meet people halfway, or if I'm going to be in a neighborhood, I can be convenient, but I'm not going to make myself convenient when I'm not. And the result of that can sometimes be having to say goodbye to people. However, that leaves me room for people who do value me. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it was just, I, um, some of the things I was afraid of were true. Some people mm-hmm. don't want to know me if it's not really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, at, like if the price of knowing me, is it I do everything for them and they don't have to do anything for me. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge uh, kind of realization on, you know, or I don't know about realization. Uh, for me, it was really tough when you do start to really value your self and then your time and your, you know, your skills, your expertise, whatever, um, and really start to get um, maybe not selective, but, for lack of a better word, selective about how you use those things um, and then who you're willing to kind of do some of that work for. You know, it, it when you recognize people who don't value you and, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, I don't, I don't really actually need this particular relationship because I do want to, I value my time, I value myself as a person. At first, that's, that can be 
um, really daunting and scary. I know it has been for me because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine my life without this person. But if being in that, you know, being with that person and feeling not feeling as if I'm not valued, that never feels good. So I'm going to kind of where I had to get to was I'm going to endure a little bit of discomfort as this like friendship maybe dies out if that's what's going to happen. Um, because like you said, it just leaves me open for so much more. And I, you know, when we first started doing the positivity work, it became really apparent really early when you're looking to take a more positive view, when you're looking to do fun and exciting things in your life, it really having people around you that want to do those, maybe not the same exact things that you want to do, but want that for themselves becomes so important. Um, and as you said, it, it gets actually can be kind of painful when you're around people who are not trying to do that. So there is that little bit of loss that comes with, especially I think with, you know, losing people. Um, but then what you gain in, in that place is just, I mean, I don't know, it's just so worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And I think just by acknowledging that it's happening and knowing that it's there and knowing that I'm making a trade, I'm trading up, I'm making something, I'm making room for something bigger and better. It starts making me feel um, the truth, which is that I'm living the life I dream of. And there's also, it gives me a reason why, because sometimes I, I just my brain just thinks, okay, but really, because it doesn't happen for everybody. Why? And it's like, oh, I know why, because it is, it can be uncomfortable to make those kind of choices. It can mm -hmm. be, um, they always say, you know, the, uh, what is it? The, the saying about the, um, the moving up the ladder of success, there's plenty of room on the ladder to success. It's the bottom that's crowded. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's true. Like the, I have to endure the discomfort of, you know, changing and having people notice that change and understanding that, you know, there's going to be um, people and circumstances and things that I will give up. And I know that that is fine um, because I'm giving it up in serve in service of a greater purpose. And um, by acknowledging that and realizing that it's happened, it makes it easier. I remember, though, it did catch me by surprise when it happened, which is why I wanted to do this particular episode, because um, for some reason, it's like, oh, I'm changing things. Oh, what a surprise. Things are different. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah, you're working really hard to change. And so things are different. And um, and I want to meet excited people. And it's like, yeah, so, you know, maybe those people who just want you to sit by the phone waiting or want you to drive and park in terrible traffic so that they can complain about whatever or talk to you as you're like you're the second therapist about the relationship that's going wrong. Maybe you're going to trade that in for, you know, something different, something that mm -hmm. you're something new, something more exciting, like somebody telling you about their Samba class or about, you know, ch planning the next chapter of their life or about their new business or about their new partnership, like all these things that I find really invigorating and truly exciting instead of me just sort of enduring mediocrity because it's comfortable and because I'm afraid and I'm just mm -hmm. not, I might fear the, feel the fear, but um, I believe we're all um, heroes in our own story and uh, we're going to triumph over adversity. And that does sometimes mean uh, leaving other things behind. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's a great, um, you know, way to talk about what we're setting as our mission for the week. So recognizing that we uh, want to make changes and knowing that we may then need to let some things go. We've talked about how that can be uh, frightening. Uh, we can be kind of worried about, you know, especially if it's people in our lives, uh, we can get a little bit worried about losing that or how those relationships uh, that we have now may change. And so what we're setting as our mission this week is, you know, not having to really do anything really challenging or difficult, like saying, okay, I'm, you know, Hey, Bob, I'm done with you. Um, no, that's not what we're saying. The mission is <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, what we're setting uh, for the mission for this week is just really to take some time to reflect on what it is you're worried about losing or what you may be uh, worried about leaving behind as you begin to make changes in your life. And maybe that is uh, particular relationships. It may be um, habits or thought processes, uh, could be a job, whatever the case may be, just take some time to reflect on what, what it is that you're, you're worried about losing, um, in the hopes of, you know, being able to identify that and then really think through, um, through that piece and what that might look like may help alleviate some of that worry or some of that fear, uh, to help you, you know, down the road to be able to propel you to keep on the path of change, uh, to make, make your life different because that's what we really are hoping for ourselves, uh, that we keep growing, uh, and learning, uh, and that we hope for all of you as well. So, so that's the mission for the week. Um, and just know that as always, we would love to hear from you. Uh, your questions, any perspectives you have on the topics that we've discussed so far, you can email us at positiveviewpodcast at gmail.com. That is positiveview, V-I-E-W, podcast at gmail.com. Yes, and next week's episode, uh, we're jumping right into an incredibly comfortable topic, uh, which is, of course, uh, vulnerability and how allowing ourselves to be vulnerable helps us to change our outlook on our lives. Uh, so don't forget, new episodes are available every Monday. So if you have a moment, uh, go ahead and hit subscribe. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think. So if you've got another second or two, please kindly rate and review our podcast. And uh, that is our show for today. I'm Christy Murphy. And I'm Brianna G. We'll talk soon.